0: All right, Maggie, there is a lot of college football news that we need to catch up on.
1: Absolutely. And let's do that with our friend Josh Pate, CBS Sports HQ College Football Analyst. He's host of Late Kick Live. Josh, thanks so much for making time for us. We know it's a busy time of year. How you been?
2: Well, it's December. And for most normal people, that means, oh, let's get ready for the holidays. For (laughs) us, it means let's get ready for things to fly at us from 52 different directions.
1: (laughs) Yep. But you know it's coming, right? Like we all know and we love it. You know, want to play a little game with you first to start off, because obviously the transfer portal news has been massive over the last couple of days. I'm going to give you the top five quarterbacks who are in the transfer portal. And can you give me the school you think would be best for them? OK, All right. OK, All right. let's start with number five. And this is the I got the top five from 24 seven sports. So Jeff Sims of Georgia Tech, where do you think would be the perfect spot for him?
2: I'd love to see him in like a Hugh Freeze-Auburn offense. I would love to see what he could do. Look, he, I don't think people remember. Jeff Sims, one of the first times you ever saw him, they just inexplicably upset Florida State in week one, like last year. And then they didn't do anything else. But, man, he briefly flashed on the radar. So I'd love to see him in that kind of offense. I haven't heard that smoke, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything.
1: Okay, great. Let's move to – you make a good point there. Let's go to Luke Altmeyer from Ole Miss. Um,
2: let's, let's dabble in Wisconsin for Ooh, him.
1: Okay. Let's see what he
2: looks like in a Luke Fickle offense up there. I know they're still trying to get that coaching staff put together, but uh, I'd be interested to see Luke Altmaier If we if we just get to place him, I want to place him in Wisconsin.
1: Okay. How about Hudson Card just left Texas?
2: All right. Now this one could be fun. So you just had Spencer Sanders leave. Well, we think he's going to leave Oklahoma State. So We've already seen examples of Texas quarterbacks transferring and staying out in the Midwest. What if Hudson Carr just goes up the road? He may even be able to still live at home. He just goes up the road, and he starts for Mike Gundy in Oklahoma State. I mean, it's pretty much a guaranteed starting spot, I would imagine. He already played, I don't even want to call it winning football, but played football for Texas this year. So you <laughs> kind of know what you have in terms of a commodity. So I'm going to put him in Stillwater.
1: Okay, DJU just answered, entered the transfer portal from Clemson.
2: All right, so here's what's interesting. Mateo Uyangalale is his brother. Very highly touted player coming in this class right now. And I've actually got a bunch of paper in front of me because we're doing a segment on this on Late Kick Tonight where we try and figure out, are those two a package deal? Oh. I think Oregon's in the running here. Um, I, think, I think, for instance, USC could be in the running. Like, a lot of these West Coast schools. I, Ohio State is even in the running there. I don't think necessarily I'd go there. I'd go West Coast. But – um I'm very interested because I think there's there's an unusual attachment there. It's not just an apples-to-apples, apples. how does he fit here, how does he fit there. I think his little brother probably plays a role in that. So let's just tentatively go Oregon and see how things shake out.
1: Very interesting. Okay, and the number one quarterback, according to 24-7 sports, in the portal is Devin Leary from NC State.
2: I mean, let's talk about Notre Dame for a second. Right. Like, Devin Leary feels like Notre Dame. <laughs> they've
1: got, they've I see got what you're lineup. saying, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's just
2: – I I think he's a proven commodity. Uh, there's very low risk with Leary. You can decide how high the reward is, but there's very low risk. And I think people kind of soured on him only because he had a pec injury the last half of the year this year. Remember, he was involved with some fringe Heisman conversation in the preseason, yep. and it's not like he was a bust. I got to watch him throw in person. He was a counselor out at the Elite 11 this past summer out in L.A. I mean, the ball jumps out of his hand. I don't think people realize how good an arm talent he is, so – I want to put him at Notre Dame, see if they can go better than eight and four.
0: All right.
1: All right, that was the top five.
0: Hey, Josh, uh, reverse engineering a little bit here. What if Bo Nix comes back to Oregon? Do you think that's possible? I do think it's
2: possible. I think it would be in his best interest to come back to Oregon. I know that when we're talking about these quarterback dominoes, obviously a lot of people are waiting on that. Um, His coordinator just left to go to Arizona State. And I think that Kenny Dillingham and Bo Nix, that was a perfect marriage of OC and QB out there at the perfect time for Oregon. But I still, man, I watched him this year. And see, I lived down in west-central Georgia when he was in high school at Hewitt Trustville. And he was coming out of high school, and man, he was good. I watched him in the state championship games down there. And just a dynamite talent. And I think he committed to the wrong program. Because he committed to Gus Malzahn in a a time where they weren't really developing the quarterback position. And he played for like three different coordinators in three years. And you just never got to see him maximize his talent. This past Bo Nix, the one you saw this past year, that's the one a lot of us expected from the jump. And I think we've only scratched the surface of, you know, what his body of work could look like. I think he would greatly enhance his stock if he came back another year.
0: And Josh, focusing on the schools, Ohio State will obviously lose C.J. Stroud. I know they have quarterbacks there. Do you think they would dip it in the transfer portal? And they, could they? I know they didn't lure Drake May into the transfer portal, but if they did, don't they need a big name? If you're a school like Ohio State,
2: I think they need a big talent. Yeah, and that often, you know, is correlated with a big name. Um, I think teams like that are always in the market for it. Alabama's the same way. I think they're always in the market for a quarterback because the. The caliber of player they take out of high school is such that they stack all these big-time talents on top of each other, and it's atypical. Normally, you have one kind of alpha quarterback there, and you have guys who know their role as backups. At Alabama, Ohio State, places like that, they just have a bunch of starting caliber players. One of them ends up starting, and then the other ones disproportionately transfer out. That's going to happen on average more with Ohio State and Alabama and places like that than – you know, your wake forests of the world, for example. So I think they're always in the market for one. And I just want to remind people, this is a really new era we're in with the portal and with the windows in the portal, you've got a 45 day window right now where you can transfer, but that's not the end after spring football, you've got another window. And so these coaching staffs have to also take into account. Wow. As as our pecking order, as our depth chart starts to shake itself out and become obvious in spring what if we don't take a guy we could get? Like, what if Ohio State doesn't take a guy they know they could get in December? They wait it out through spring. Then two of their guys transfer after spring ball because they see one of them is going to definitively be the starter and it's not them. And then they're just they're kind of left there you know, with, with, with their hands in their pocket because they didn't go and take care of it when they could. So that's this delicate balance and juggling act a lot of these staffs are facing.
1: Man, that's, I mean, you're right. It's like everyone's on unsteady ground. Josh Pate is a CBS Sports HQ college football analyst. He's host of Late Kick Live, and we love his work. Um, Okay, so Josh, we got to talk about Deion Sanders because everyone's talking about Deion Sanders. It's one of the biggest stories in college football. Mike Zimmer's going to come be the defensive coordinator. He just poached one of Nick Saban's assistants and Charles Kelly. I mean, how quickly of a turnaround are we looking at with Deion at Colorado?
2: It, well, keep in mind, now we're talking about a 1-11 team. So having said that, I think the turnaround is going to be shockingly quick. I, I've, you know, I've done a lot of radio and, and done a few hits about this, and I've had some people ask me how he'll do at Colorado with this, like, healthy hint of skepticism in their voice. I have no skepticism about the caliber of player he's going to get there, the caliber of coach that he's going to get there. Uh, it's a no-brainer only because kind of behind the scenes, we know who's reaching out to Colorado already. He's not even having to reach out to them. They're reaching out to Colorado. So you're talking about an army of four- and five-star caliber players that you are – just your presence alone is convincing to look at Boulder, Colorado as their destination for college football. So that's going to happen very, very quickly. I'm talking about, like, Lincoln-Riley-USC overnight, snap your fingers kind of quick. I'm not saying they're winning the Pac-12 or anything next year, but I'm saying – yeah, they're not going 1-11 next year. Here's why he's having no problem getting coaches. Because the general philosophy in the coaching industry is this guy is so magnetic, he is such a perfect blend of tactician and showman that he will succeed at Colorado. No one thinks Colorado is his last stop. It in and of itself is a stepping stone program for him. Let's be real. And those coaches want to be on board when he finally gets the call from a major Power 5 program in the SEC or the Big Ten. And it's coming, and it's not too far down the road. I think that it's, um, I think it's pretty imminent that they're going to be much improved. And I think there are a lot of ads out there who would have loved to have already pulled the trigger on him, that need the proof of performance that he will give them at Colorado, so that two years from now, all the boxes are checked. Wow.
0: But Josh, well, I, we've never had a Dion. We've never had a, a player with star power become a coach. I mean, in basketball, I feel like some stars have tried that. Like I'm thinking of Clyde Drexler at Houston in basketball. It's funny to me, it feels like we're in uncharted territory, and I have trouble wrapping my head around Dion being settled enough to stay and build a program.
2: I, uh, I get that. Here's my counter. <clears throat> Every aspect of this sport is in uncharted territory right now. <laughs>
1: Fair. So
2: the way that you acquire talent, the way you build your roster, uh, the, the very conference you play in, in some cases is changing, the way that the playoff is structured is about to change. Therefore, the scale of success is about to change in your favor if you're a coach. I really think that in college football, with the ability to put your team together through a combination of NIL, portal, and traditional recruiting, it's very possible that you are entering into an era where the unconventional hire for head coach becomes conventional. And I'm I'm looking at Dion. Dion is a big, flashy name, but I guarantee you, because I hear people talk about it all the time internally, there are programs out there also looking at it from the other side of the coin. They're saying, what if we don't spend eight or nine million dollars a year on our head coach? And how about this philosophy? What if we take a moneyball approach to putting together our staff administratively and we value the same things in our world within the context of college football? that billy bean learned to ascribe to in oakland california all those years ago a lot of people are talking about that because it used to be the name of the game was recruiting and you had to have that flashy name well now you can just buy your roster and so if you can acquire talent the professional way you don't need the same kinds of names at head coach that you once did that's kind of a growing trend philosophically in coaching it's just no one's pulled the trigger on that yet
1: Wait, that's interesting, Josh. So you're saying, like, get someone who's got a recognizable name, but that you don't have to pay, like, eight to $10 million for? So, like, both things have to happen? You need a flashy name, but somebody who doesn't get paid a ton? Is that what you're saying?
2: Well, so there are two things. You could either go about it that way. So let's call it the Colorado model. You right. can go about it the way of Colorado. Or you could hire a guy's name completely out of left field. You may not have ever even heard of it. And he, he's a brilliant football-minded guy, or, or he specializes in something, but it's not an A-list name or a B or a C-list name. Well, here's the trade-off: you only got to pay him about four or five million a year, tops. And what you do is you moneyball that approach, yeah, and right. you allocate those resources to the rest of the staff. And you you know all the while, we don't have to have a staff full of grand slam recruiters. We are going to be able to assemble this roster the same way the Kansas City Chiefs assemble their roster right. in some cases. And so we can do it a different way, and especially those programs that have traditionally been behind the curve and they've been at a disadvantage resource-wise, that's the conversation right now internally.
1: Well, it's really interesting cause we, I was also thinking, like, who's putting more money now into facilities and stuff like that? Take all that money that you used to build, like the Shangri-La at Clemson or these other places, and just give it to the to the athletes because – what I mean, is, it, are you going to pick someone over the weight room or whether or not you're getting, you know, an extra $500,000 of NIL?
2: This is something that has been told to me. I, I go on the road every week during the season, and oftentimes I meet with either staffs or, or tour their facilities the Friday night before a game. Anyone who just recently built new facilities or upgraded their facilities I mean, I had one of them tell me point blank, we are so lucky. God was just looking out for us on the timeline here because (laughs) we're the last people, we know we are the last people to ever be able to dump money into facilities because from now on, no one is going to be able to justify spending this money on facilities when it can be redirected to just a straight talent acquisition game. And so if you didn't upgrade and if you thought you were about to upgrade in 2025 or 26, those plans are going to be scrapped.
0: Josh, you know, it's funny. Uh, that also helps us. This Moneyball approach with the way the Final Four is, there's no way a Moneyball team is sneaking to that Final Four. But the Final Twelve, mm. are we talking finally a Cinderella champion, maybe? I Well, see, that's
2: where uh, we differ a little bit because I don't think you're going to see a Cinderella champion in college football. Um, I think that the gulf with just the way the sport works is still a little bit too wide. To okay. It won't necessarily mirror basketball, but Let's, let's think about what we're talking about. If the University of Minnesota, just speaking out of the blue, were to implement this approach, you don't have to win titles at Minnesota to be considered a monumental success. If you're, if you're anywhere remotely in the conversation of a 12-team field, you are succeeding greater than anyone has in the modern era there. So that's the same way Oakland has been in baseball. They didn't win a World Series, but they were in conversations that otherwise no one with that payroll would have been in. And I think similarly, you could see that happen in college football.
1: Uh, Josh, we got like 30 seconds for you. More likely upset, TCU over Michigan or Ohio State over Georgia?
2: I think it's Ohio State over Georgia because the athletes are more comparable. I mean, unless TCU jumps out to a two-score lead and is able to play that game on the perimeter, I really think the deep end catches up with them physically in the second half. Or Ohio State, man, they may not match up on the lines of scrimmage either, but They've got the horses to go four quarters, possibly, with Georgia.
1: Josh can't tell you how much we appreciate this. We're big fans. Josh Pate is a CBS Sports HQ college football analyst. He's host of The Late Kick Live. Let's do it again soon.
2: I appreciate it.